This week on The Business of Lifting Weights, we sit down with Juggernaut Training Systems owner and founder, Chad Wesley Smith, to discuss growing an online training business. How's it going, guys? This is Dave Thomas. And this is Brian Pritz. And we are back with episode 26 of The Business of Lifting Weights. Today we're pretty pumped. We're joined by Chad Wesley Smith. We are recording live at the Juggernaut Training Systems in Southern California. So Chad, why don't you say hello? How you doing, everybody? Um, we're pretty pumped today. Chad obviously has a ton of no shortage of information with Juggernaut, with the podcast, with the website, um, all about training content, um, which most of our readers are very familiar with, mm -hmm. or excuse me, listeners. Uh, but we're excited today to talk a little bit more to Chad about his business how it got started, some of his strategies, and how they become as successful as they are. While the company has been around for a bit, um, it seems like certainly over the last, I would say, few years, it's really just risen to the top. I'd like um, to think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, from a consumer perspective, it certainly has. Um, so first question, I know we talked a little bit off the air, but if you can just give us a little bit of background on when you guys started, um, with whom, why did you start it, and just the whole story of how Juggernaut was born. Yeah, uh, so we started in 2009. Uh, I graduated college uh, from Concordia here, a local NAI school where I did uh, through the shot put. Graduated in the middle of May. I decided to pass on a track coaching job at Cal Berkeley. And when I did that, uh, I was approached by kind of a family friend who was actually my physical therapist at the time about you know, she just kind of knew from small talk while I'm on the table getting treated that I was interested in, in training athletes. And so she approached me with the idea like, well, you know, would you like me to help you kind of get a little facility going? Um, so from there, I, I brought on one of my one of my good friends, a guy named Nate Winkler. Um, we wrote what we thought was a business plan, basically starting <laughs> June 1st. We got, uh, you know, sold her on some investment idea on July 1st. Got keys to a warehouse on August first, and we're open for business on September first. Uh, like quick said, turnaround. Yeah, very quick turnaround. Like I said, we th we thought we had a plan, but we just didn't know what an actual plan was at that time. Um, but you know, started in in Laguna Hills as a true just a sports sports performance gym. I was still uh, doing track at the time, you know, pursuing maybe you know trying to go to the Olympics or something. Unfortunately, my my or something. coach. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my coach passed away shortly after I graduated college, so that really kind of put a damper on that. Plus, the working 75 hours a week didn't help either. Right. But, uh, yeah, so from 2009 to 2012, it was really just all about training athletes in person um, and not powerlifting and weightlifting at all, really. And uh, even though starting in 2010, I was competing in powerlifting myself, there, there's really, there wasn't the climate to have a powerlifting or weightlifting gym. Uh, right. uh, the, the first powerlifting meet I ever did was the first ever USPA meet, uh, October 2010, in the San Luis Obispo High School Gymnasium, maybe 35 lifters. And uh, you know, now you go to meets and there's 300 lifters, and we have a meet this weekend with 120 lifters. Yeah. And so now you can actually sustain yourself as a, as a powerlifting weightlifting gym. That wasn't the case at all then. So, And besides that, it didn't really interest me a lot. I was saying two of the guys we have in here this morning, uh, trained them in high school. They went to USC and San Diego State to play football. Now one of them's in the NFL and the other one's trying to go. So it's the sport performance training has always been more 
the training's more interesting to me. It's a little bit more rewarding in some senses. Um, but so we're all about that. Had about 50 kids go to on D1 scholarships, football, uh, volleyball, water polo were kind of our big ones. I had multiple, like a dozen black belt jiu-jitsu athletes. We get them, even guys who'd come from, like from Brazil for a month long training camp before world championships and stuff like that. So we're just, we're all about that. But as I'm sure many uh, gym owners realize, you have a finite number of hours in the day and with that finite number of hours and space and and energy and people, there's a finite, much more you know, limited amount of money that you could make. So in late 2010, I'd also released my first ebook, The Juggernaut Method. Um, and through 2011 to, and 2012, sort of saw the potential of the internet in terms of teaching people about about training and uh, and. Yeah, as a business tool. So the lease was up in late 2012, September 2012. We're in that space for three years. And I decided at that point, yeah, I really like training the football guys, but I don't need 6,000 square feet to do that. And I don't need, you know, this much overhead to just train these one or two groups of guys, plus write articles and ebooks and all that stuff. So at that point, we shifted the, the attention away from the in-person training, though we were still doing that and had like 15 kids go D1 the next year for football. Uh, and those guys are some of the ones getting ready to go NFL this year. But uh, really put the, the attention then on creating content, uh, growing our network of coaches, traveling to do seminars and clinics and all that. And, you know, just kind of been trying to do that better and better ever since for the last four Going on five years now, I guess. Yeah, I mean, cool. when did the light bulb kind of go off to where, you know, you realized that you had something as far as online content goes that was much better than what was out there? And when did, like, when did it become something where you started recruiting people to join in on it and get contributors and really build the juggernaut team? Yeah, uh, that happened in the summer of 2012. Uh, I was originally sponsored by Elite FTS. We uh, parted ways at that point and... I figured, well, I got to keep my training log and stuff somewhere, because you know, that was like kind of the main thing I did there, and I need I had written thirty some articles for them, so I figured, well, I got to have, have another place to write my put my articles, <laughs> so I might as well do it on my own website, and then I thought, hey, you know, I can't write all the articles, so let's get some other people to do it, so I just started, you know, reaching out to people that I knew for the most part, and not too long after that, made a bit more open call kind of thing of, of trying because I you know I was a track guy who did powerlifting but was honestly not really that involved in the powerlifting community um, and then even less so in in weightlifting and CrossFit and that stuff so through some contacts and some just sort of putting it out there on Facebook like hey if you're a weightlifter who's interested in writing articles for us send me an email uh, Colin Burns was the first one to reply for that yeah, you know, four years later, he almost four years to the day, pretty much, because it was September 2016. He packed up from Colorado and moved here and trains here every day. And you know, he's our the OJ weightlifter, the yeah. original, <laughs> original juggernaut. Yeah, I've read it. I've read the <laughs> yeah. weightlifting manual that he contributes. I yeah. know a lot too. Uh, so you know, it just kind of grew like that. At more meets, talk to more coaches. 
sort of continue to expand the network there. I know in September 2012, which was like the first month that we were out of the, the physical gym location and really was like, all right, internet, we're doing it now. <laughs> um, I think we got 25,000 entrances to the website that month. Uh, that's always the metric that I use, not page views or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, a year later, we got 250,000 wow. in September 2013. And it's been up to as high as like 500,000 or 600,000 before. But uh, and it was really just, it, it was as much organic growth as it could be. Because because we have a lot of likes and a lot of followers and a big internet presence, I think people think I'm some sort of marketing, you know, savvy marketing guy. That just couldn't be further from the truth. Like, people ask, well, how do I get more hits on a website? Write better articles. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, and write, that, ar- write articles that people want to read. Yeah, that's kind of my question yeah. is, you know, wh- if you Google an article on squat mobility, you're going to get hundreds and th- hundreds of results. You're going to get a, a ton of different different authors, different what have you. But, you know, if you read your guy's content, it's got a very – I don't know, at least in my opinion, it comes off as it's almost like a hybrid of just really raw authenticity and then scientific-based stuff that is kind of blended and I think a very consumable package for people. So can you talk, do you have a strategy with your writing style? Do you, does everything kind of, is everything supposed to carry a certain tone? Do you want everything communicated in a certain way? Like talk a little bit just about your writing style. Uh, you know, to be honest, it's however the people write, I just kind of, let them let them write. Uh, I was fortunate for about nine months to have Greg Knuckles working for me as a content director. Greg runs a strengththeory.com. He's a literal genius. Yeah. Um, and then his wife Lindsay is also. A, they were living out here because she was working as a like associate editor for the Orange County Register newspaper. So she was actually the real writing brains, and Greg was the science brains, and then she taught him how to write. And, <laughs> well, he's a genius, so he took to it quite easily. But, uh, you know, for the most part, our, our main authors, myself, Quinn, Dr. Mike Isretel, uh, Colin, Jacob Sipkin, the way they write is the way they they, they write. I, I was, it's not something we've really tried to coach them on or anything, you know, it, Try and make sure there's periods where they're supposed to be and commas <laughs> where they're supposed to be. But beyond that, uh, you know, it's very, very authentic. I've said before, and I reiterate this idea because I think authenticity is our is our greatest strength. Is that there's internet coaches and there's coaches who put stuff on the internet. We want to be the latter. Mm-hmm. You know, we're actually working with athletes every day. Quinn's taking patients across the board from all walks of life and in all sports, um, you know, we're training at a high level, we're, we're living the craft, and it might not be the most, that might mean that we're not the best writers or it's not the most polished content, but it is, I think, the highest quality information because it's, it's, you know, in the trenches per se of doing these endeavors, powerlifting, weightlifting, at the highest levels, you know, in the country or in the world. So what would you consider to be high quality information? Like like how do you how do you quantify something that's a bit abstract? Yeah, uh so then I think it, it really just gets into the question of what is expertise. Uh the the idea of what an expert is has been uh clouded, muddied, 
shit on. Am I allowed to say that? Yes. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by social media because it's given, you know, which is a good thing in, in some sense that it's given everyone a platform and a voice. But uh, in that, it's given people a platform and a voice who, honestly, they don't deserve one. Uh, and they're selling off of, you know, just because someone has a six-pack doesn't mean they know shit about nutrition. You know, just because someone's strong doesn't doesn't mean that they know about how to make people strong. So there's really three things that we're looking at, I think, what creates an expert in the field of fitness, strength, training. Education competitive excellence or coaching excellence ideally well ideally three out of three almost definitely two out of three and if it's going to be one out of three it's got to be so high in that one and that even then it's got to be taken with a grain of salt you know and i think we have a lot of people who you know whether it's someone like dr quinn or, or dr mike Isertel who are highly educated right. you know dr mike with his phd and all the the rp guys uh, whether it's myself, my degree's in history, but, you know, done the informal education route plus coaching success and success as an athlete where so many of the other places it's like, it's maybe one, maybe none, to be honest, because, you know, it's very easy to put on on your profile or whatever, like nationally ranked powerlifter, world champion powerlifter, right. everyone's a fucking world champion in powerlifting, <laughs> right. you know. Nas- nationally ranked weightlifter. Well, you did a weightlifting meet. You nationally <laughs> yeah. ranked every single person. Might be nationally ranked last, but you're still nationally ranked. It's like a college football team being like, you know, we're ranked yeah. 90th. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What Out of those three, what would you say is the most important? Oh, uh, you know, the, the if I had to pick one, I'd probably say the coaching success because some people just don't have the right genetics to be a successful athlete. And even though there might not be a formal education component, if you've been successful as a coach, yeah, there might be some things that you're screwing up or, you know, you, you don't have the anatomy background to call, you know, the right, you know, the neck bone connects to the whatever bone. But uh, <laughs> but it would be pretty hard to be successful as a coach without having some really deep understanding of, of the topics. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you can... I'd like to try to kind of get into the authenticity a little bit more because um, that was – it's funny that you said that that was kind of like your guys' hallmark. That's when I reached out to you to come on the show. That was kind of the idea of it. That's just the way that it came off to to me as just a consumer of it. But, you know, for example, like in that um, – in one of the manuals that I read, it was Colin Burns who has said something like, you know, if you're if you're showing up at your first meet to win, you're an idiot. <laughs> um, and then there was an article that you had written where – you were talking about uh, it was like six things that you had learned, uh-huh. and it was like talking about how people said, you know, people who say don't care what others thinks. You were like, that's stupid. So there's just a lot of very kind of calling it like you see it. Can you talk just a little bit more about what drives like the authenticity and how you're able to kind of bring that through in your guys' content? Yeah, I mean, in regards to the the quote about you know not caring what people think it's it's important that you care what people think it's important that you care what the right people think yeah i get dozens of anonymous comments on youtube every every day people are like oh this is bro science on a dr mike video i'm like all all right you know gamer boy 69 like who cares what you you say like like i know you you think that you read an abstract of a study but uh you just gotta care what the what the right people think um 
Yeah, I mean, it's... I guess it's it's kind of a, a in some ways a hard thing to put a to, to put a finger on because it's it's just it's it's our life like it's our our whole right existence you know for the the weightlifters like Colin Pomp Courtney they're professional weightlifters Max is a professional weightlifting coach um, we we've been fortunate I think to to have the the scientific understanding of the principles that dic- that guide good training um, and then being, a- being able to put that with the practical side of, of getting to talk to, you know, people like Zygmunt Smallsertz or Klokov, Ilya Ilyin. Uh, Max, you know, was coached by Ivan Abjeev and Boris Sheko, maybe the most, at least notorious weightlifting coach and the most renowned powerlifting coach. Like on a one-on-one basis, we hosted them, uh, Sheko here for a seminar. To to where, you know, there, there's so many different schools of thought of of yeah, you know, different technique ideas or different programming ideas. But I think once once you get exposed and get to have conversations with enough of the people who are having the greatest success in it, you begin to see the commonalities between it all. Um, and then you can kind of just latch onto that further and delve into to the greater understanding of that. Um, I, I think something that's important is is that we're not concerned with how cool it is or how sexy it is, just how well it works. Mm-hmm. So in the age of social media, Instagram, YouTube, all that stuff, I think there's a lot of people who do novel things for the sake of being novel because they're trying to catch catch the eye with it and can you give an example of that um yeah a specific example i don't i guess i don't want to think of one of those because it may be too apparent who <laughs> the first time <laughs> i'm talking about is but, but if there's if there's someone who's saying something that seems to fly in the face or is is totally contrary to the conventional wisdom but that one person is the per- person who has the secret you know right. Whether it's a nutrition thing, whether it's a, ch- a technique thing, whether it's a, a training concept, the, there's, I w- you'd be extremely hard pressed at this at this day and age, for so many people training, so many people training hard that if there was this one other way that it's done, <laughs> and that everyone else is like this, but this one person's like, no, I'm doing it like this over here, that that's going to be the better way. Right. I, I think in almost all cases. Whether it's conscious or unconscious, that person is trying to do something different just to get attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I think that that's something that we avoid. You know, we're not we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're trying to just make that wheel run the best yeah. that it can possibly be. I think the other part is that we're very interested in a deeper understanding of the principles and the theories where it takes a little bit more investment by the reader or the viewer or the listener to understand it. But if they are invested to that level, they are going to get information that helps them solve a myriad of problems regarding whatever issue it is, weightlifting technique, programming, movement, mobility, rehab. While there's a lot of people and if if the only goal was to be as popular as possible, it's much easier to say, you have this problem, do this exercise. This hurts, do this. 
but very, very rarely are these black and white issues with one-size-fits-all solutions to them. Much more frequently, they are understanding a little bit deeper the difference between watching a five-minute video and a 15-minute video. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a two-sentence Instagram tip versus a you know 10-minute article. That if people are willing to go the one step further to understand the theory, and it takes a little bit more time, and it takes a little bit more energy, and it takes a little bit more investment, but if they if they want to understand the theory, then they understand how to fix all the problems. It's like uh, what's thing if if the only uh, tool you have is a hammer, then every problem looks like a nail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's a lot of that out there where people make kind of blanket suggestions to mobility rehab, to technique for the lifts, to this sets and reps is the best. This style is the best. Uh, you know, high reps are, are the most important. Specificity is the most important. Low reps are the most important. And so much of it's not, this is the best and this, or this is better than this. It's at this time, this is more appropriate than this. At If this circumstance, this circumstance, this circumstance, then yes. This exercise is going to make your, you know, hip feel better. But the, so many of the stuff is, it's a lot of gray areas and a lot of caveats to it that I think because we try and take the next step and explain the theory, some people, even some people who think that they're really interested in the stuff, they're not interested to that next level. Mm-hmm. And and that's fine. It's it's not going to be for everyone. That's but. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to bring up is it's, you know, you guys are clearly after a very specific type of consumer at least it appears Mm. and so speaking to that you have no problem losing this person if you're going to be able to kind of get the cream of it yeah and that's something that we kind of kind of struggle with and and in you know whatever level of strategy i have of content creation and social media and stuff something i try and stay mindful of is is to try and use the different mediums at different depths because everyone's a beginner when they start. And no beginner is, has the aptitude nor the interest in... You know, we have an event uh, in a couple of weeks in New York called the Performance Summit. Max and I are going to give a 90-minute lecture, then Quinn's going to give a 90-minute lecture, then Dr. Mike is, and then Dr. James is. If someone's been training for three months, they can show up to that, and their hair is getting blown back by everything flying over their head. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that that information is not important to them. It's just that they are not ready to get into that yet. It's not the right time. Yeah. Yeah. So what, you know, a challenge to me is how do I, you know, what is appropriate for that level of person? How do we present them? You know, that might be one sentence tip on an Instagram post. That might be 15 second clip it might be that very blanket you know that that blanket answer but giving them the understanding that that this is right most of the time but there's a little bit more Mm -hmm. and then not everyone is is gonna is interested in going from beginner to intermediate intermediate to advanced advanced to mastery but if there's a thousand people or a hundred people that start at beginner and 50 of them want to step up to the next level and 20 of those go to the next one and 10 go to the next one and one goes to the last one you know we're just trying to to help them go through that 
that progression. And it's not going to be for everyone, and that's fine. But that's that's definitely a challenge that we face. And Max and I were actually talking about it at dinner last week. We were with uh, if you, uh, Meg Squats, you know, real super famous on YouTube and stuff now. She came here, and we did some videos, and then we were out. And obviously her audience is much more beginner than our audience. And we were talking about it, it, it struck Max and I that because we spend so much time in our little world, you know, that we have three national champion weightlifters. You know, we have me in powerlifting, Marissa, and uh, these people who are very exceptional athletes. And we have a lot of people who are like the next, I guess it, it depends on how close you are to the situation. Because we, we got to thinking about the actual numbers, and it's like, when we look at our weightlifting team, it's like, all right, we have kind of our top athletes. And it's like, well, they're going to win. And it's like, well, the next tier for us is those people who are getting like maybe fourth to 10th. And then the, then we have like our 10th to 25th, like national placing people. So we're looking at, at that as like three or four different tiers of, of athlete. But if you take, you know, if you zoom out of the situation, you're like, well, there's 600 people who qualify for nationals in weightlifting. And there's 23,000 members to USAW. When you look at it from that perspective, everyone who qualified is in the top tier, mm-hmm. and and but we're so close yeah. to it, like we kind of lose. <clears throat> lose you refine that, that, like your own proximity to all these high-level people, kind of like messes up your oh, perception of what somebody is strong and what they're interested in, and does definitely. that ever affect like the content that you produce? I, I think it. I think it does. I, th- I think it's really been the last like couple weeks that we've. <clears throat> more come to that realization it was almost during the conversation last week when i actually like did the math on that and was like everyone who qualified for nationals is in the top three percent of american weightlifters (laughs) (laughs) it's just that we have three people who are the top you know point one percent of it or point two percent of it that that's where all our time (laughs) gets spent right uh because even one of the other girls was at dinner with us a girl i coached named lizzie picardi and she lifted in like the prime time session at USAPL Nationals last year, so she was maybe ninth in her weight class. But you know, and Marissa is the main athlete I coach, and she's first by a lot. I'm like, yeah, Marissa's really strong. Like, yeah, Lizzie's pretty strong too. Like, she's pretty good. <laughs> but everyone else, like, oh shit, Lindsay's she's like my best ever, you know? <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's definitely a matter of perspective there, and it's something I think we're trying to do a better job of. And then the the other thing that's kind of tough in the in the content creation and something that we're definitely going to try and solve the best we can over the next year is the idea of educating through the internet because as opposed to a university setting where you go to 101, 201, 301, 401, if that's how they number classes, and I don't even know, 404. Safe space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you show up to the first day of class, second day of class, and everything builds on itself. When someone goes to our website, goes on our YouTube, they could the first day watch the most advanced video, right. read the most advanced article. But they don't know that it's that. So they they and and if that's the case, they might understand some of it, but odds are they probably don't have the background knowledge to understand all of it and understand the context of a lot of it. So they they get into you know information that by no fault of their own is inappropriate for them to have at that at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then there's the concern that they, you lose them forever, or... Um, it's... No, not... Well, yeah, one, it could be that they just read it, and they're like, I have no idea what I right. just read. Um, I was, when I do seminars, I probably have done... You know, in the last four years, I've, I've really been pushing hard on seminars, maybe 200-ish seminars. Yeah, I'd say that's probably fair, about 200. And... Whenever I ask, you know, are there any questions at the end of it? And when there aren't any questions, I know that the, it's one of two things. I either did a brilliant job of explaining everything so thoroughly <laughs> that people, you know, they're just satisfied. Yeah. Or they don't even know where to begin. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's probably a bit more of the latter. But uh, so that's definitely a risk is, is it just flies over their head and they, they're like, this is, a, I don't understand this. I, I'm not interested. Or that they understand some of it without the bigger context. That they, and and I think this happens to a lot of a lot of authors and content creators and stuff, is that people want to latch on to to one very specific piece of information, one very specific coaching cue, and that is that person's thing. Mm-hmm. Where. The reality of the you know programming structure and coaching and cues and everything else is again it's it's theories and it's principles. It's not you know Colin says keep your elbows you know elbows high in the snatch. Well, it's, he's the elbows high guy, you know. Or like Max, because Max has this uh, background in training the Bulgarian system and training under Abjev and Steve Goff and it lends itself to all these kind of funny, ridiculous stories about squatting 30 max singles in a week. <laughs> well, Max is a Bulgarian guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we even have a theme song that we created for <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dr. Mi- Dr. Mike freestyled on our podcast <laughs> before. But Max doesn't coach Bulgarian style, but it's like when when people you know don't have the, the necessary background information to understand it, it, it just becomes an oversimplification, yeah. I think, for a lot of... Uh, in a lot of situations so that's that's something we want to you know try and tackle better this year whether it's just grouping articles into lists of you know read this first then this then this Mm -hmm. or even taking it a step further and probably trying to do some kind of you know progressive online courses yeah um because yeah that's that's I, i think our biggest goal is to is to help best educate people athletes and coaches to help them best achieve their goals and so the the better process we can create for that education the better it's going to help them achieve their goals have you guys thought about like really getting into the space of certifications yeah um we have and, and it seems like the, these what we've been talking about is doing you know probably 12 to 16 class video like modules for these different topics and yeah, like webinar. Or, so we basically have you know release the video on a Monday, mm-hmm. and that's the lecture part of the class, and then come back on Thursday with a with like a live webinar deal, and that's the discussion section of the class, and and kind of do it like that. So yeah, it seems to me <clears throat> this is just a personal observation, but like the quality educational platforms and content are. are seem to be kind of moving away from show up on Friday, leave with Sunday and you're mm-hmm. a certified, you know, 
juggernaut training systems coach and much more of an extended process of like literally almost treating it like an online university where you're you're taking part in a series of progressions and i know opex is one that that does that and um just kind of extending it to kind of rise above just the like 48 hour hit it and quit it one yeah we we did one certification like that just kind of like a trial deal that was only open to people who had been to seminars before about 16 months ago and that was sort of the feeling at the end of it from both Quinn and I was just like, even if we added a third day, we're still not even going to be close. Yeah. You know? yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, I think it's, you know, it's as long as it's really going to be on us to create a great set of, this is what, you, these are your prereqs, read all of these, then do the classes and the videos, and then the discussion parts on top of it. Because in in some senses, to me, like, this stuff is very simple, and a lot of it's very intuitive. But I think, uh, I don't know if it's like a Bruce Lee quote or if I'm just totally making it up, but, you know, when, <laughs> when you're a beginner, everything seems very simple. Because you only have a little bit of information, mm-hmm. so you only have to deal with a couple things. And you become a you know, intermediate then everything becomes very complicated because now you have a lot of information, but you don't understand what to do with it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when you become a you know a master of it, it all becomes very simple again because you have all the information, but you know when it's appropriate to use this and that. So, yeah, that's not that's definitely not a weekend long thing. It's not a week long thing. It's not a year long thing. It's it's a very complicated process, you know, or a very involved process. Let's say of understanding the information, practically applying it, you know, but, but again, going deeper to understand the theory, because when you understand the theory, you understand the principle, you know how to answer all the questions regarding it, not just, is it, the the example I usually give for this is people ask, how many times a week should I squat? Seems like a pretty simple question, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I could say one time, I could say six times, there could be a time where all of those are appropriate, all of them are inappropriate. The right answer for someone today might not be the right answer six months from now, two years from now, when they're 12 weeks out from a meet, when they're six weeks out from a meet, when they're two weeks out from a meet. It's constantly changing. But if you understand these principles of fatigue management, uh, stimulus recovery adaptation, individual differences, so on and so forth, then you can give the right answer for anyone at any time. Right. But it takes a lot longer to understand those principles than it just does. Yeah, where it would be really easy for me to say three times a week squatting, best. It's the best thing. Maybe it's the best. It might be the best on average. Right. But that's not how we're There's a lot of people that fall outside that average. Do you find that frustrating to where, like, most people today's, they want the answer. They want you to tell them exactly what the right answer is. Oh, very much so. From a content creation perspective of being able to keep somebody but also tell them, like, the shit kind of depends. Yeah, it's it's tough. And that's something, you know, Quinn and I talk about a lot, that it is a constant struggle especially when we see other people give the blanket answer and people latch onto that right because they're they're getting the, they're getting an answer and what they want almost it seems that what a lot of people want is almost more they want an answer than they want the answer right mm-hmm. you know they want the comfort of it yeah yeah going uh kind of into that content creation and the process of it um two questions for you how long does it take you to produce a typical uh you know, let's just say article online. Um, and number two, do you find that uh, shorter type stuff, let's say 500 words, works better for drawing in viewers rather than like a really in-depth, 
you know, 5,000 word content. Yeah, definitely the, the more brief stuff, you know, top five this, top ten that is always better for readers. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, listicle type of articles, I think more advanced kind of people want to poo-poo those as not very good. But what ten top ten tips for whatever it is lends itself to is give the tip link to an article right. that's only about that one yep. tip. And it, it gives the people the option to go deeper on each one. So I have a lot of articles like that. You know, when I when I first started writing a lot for the Juggernaut website, more specifically, so like late 2012 into, into 2013, I look back now and some of the articles are like, if I printed this out, this thing's like 20 pages long. <laughs> really? You know, where now I feel like I'm like, I don't even know what to write about anymore because I've written, you know, 200, yeah. 200 articles. Right. And the stuff that makes you strong and and fast and fit and all that—it's not really changing a lot. So. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. Like, yeah. how do you how does somebody who's considered kind of at the le- the leadership level of online strength content? How do you continue to stay number one educated, but also produce yeah. new captivating information? Yeah, I mean, we've definitely made a, a big shift, and this is from a practicality standpoint on our side to what seems to be more engaging, but a, a pretty significant shift from written content to video content. Because in a 20-minute video, we could give the you know amount of content that would fill a 100-page article. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as, as far as staying educated and staying engaged, you know, talking, talking to other coaches and talking to, you know, observing what's out there, well, this person just won, or this person just did a huge PR, Let's just have a conversation with their their coach without letting it just turn into like a an echo chamber, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's probably a tough one and, and one that that we struggle with because we have a, a fairly you know established network of of colleagues in this that you know we really respect what they're doing. There might be information out there from people who we don't agree with a lot of their stuff, but if that if they're having success doing it. There's something to it, mm-hmm. you know. So, so being able to set the ego aside enough to see what it, you know, even if it's one thing, even if there, there's nine things we don't agree with they're doing, there's one thing, you know. Let's figure out what that one other, the, that one other thing is, and and take it and and apply it. So that's that's always an important <coughs> one. I, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, they're afraid to pick up a phone or to send an email to a coach, just thinking that they're not gonna respond or something i've been writing my own program since i was 14 years old uh with a a brief hiatus and i was coached by josh bryant early in my powerlifting career from my freshman year of high school to now i've i've yeah designed my own training and when i was 14 15 16 years old like i'm obviously not equipped to do that properly and this would have been like 2001 2002 there was not nearly the prevalence of information that you could find. You know, now there's probably almost too much information and it would be overwhelming to, you know, because when you're 15 and you don't know, you know, your head from your ass, you're not, you're not going to be able to figure out, well, this guy really knows what he's talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. It's probably more likely that you'd be like, this guy has a million Instagram followers. He must be the smartest one. <laughs> um, <laughs> genius. Yeah. Uh, but, but what I was able to do, you know, besides old, you know, looking looking through the much more sparse training information online was that I was never shy about uh 
that was never shy about talking to coaches and talking to athletes and, and to a degree potentially pestering them. Uh, one of my favorite kind of memories to that effect was as 2003, I just finished my junior year of high school and I was at throwing junior nationals, uh, track meet at Stanford. And it was the same weekend, junior nationals and senior nationals. And I was back in the, in the back, uh, like athlete staging area. And I saw this guy, Adam Nelson, uh, walking in. Adam Nelson was silver medalist in 2000, um, 2000 Olympics in the shot put, uh, gold medalist in 2004, originally silver, but gold through retroactive drug testing. And I saw him walking there in the back and I, I was like, hit, hit my dad on the arm. I was like, dad, that's Adam Nelson. Like I, I gotta, we gotta get, I gotta take my picture with him. And that's the only, you know, we had LA Fit Expo the other weekend and, it's a odd idea to me that people want to come and take their picture with me because I lift weights. <laughs> but uh, I guess if if they think the same way about me that I thought about Adam Nelson, well, one they shouldn't because Adam Nelson's way cooler than me. <laughs> he was going to the Olympics. I'm, you know, lifting weights in high school gymnasiums. But uh, <laughs> but you know, for for him to take the time to take the picture and talk a little bit, and I got to talk to his coach uh, like two years later to meet. I actually got to sit with his coach for like two hours. And just pepper him with questions that Don Babbitt was the he's the head coach at Georgia, the throws coach at Georgia, and fortunately he answered them them all for me. But that's how I formed my my opinions. And the coolest thing with with Adam was that, you know, I still have that picture of me and him. I'm 16 years old, and he would be 26, and maybe 27. And you know he was the best the best in the world uh, this past year. For the 2016 Olympic trials, uh, Adam and I had actually we had spoken at a couple seminars together, and so I developed a friend a friendship from there. And he had been retired from track since 2012, and then about midway through 2015, he called me up. He's like, "Hey, you know, I'm thinking I'm trying to make a comeback through a 2016 trials. Will you coach me?" And I was like, "Let <laughs> me coach you." <laughs> like it was the the most holy shit moment ever. But probably my favorite, probably my favorite memory of all of coaching was being at Olympic trials with him and being like, it was very surreal to me. But it would have never happened if I didn't, you know, just reach out, just yeah, reach out, yeah, just walk up to him and, you know. We just started talking. Yeah, it's like I got to ask forget him, people like, are just regular yeah. at the end of the day. Most are just yeah. regular people. Mm -hmm. And I had dozens of people like that, college coaches, Olympic coaches, college strength coaches, that I was just getting on the phone. I'd just send them an email or call them or just go there and just start asking them questions until they were like, hey, kid, I got to go. <laughs> All right, I got other things to do. Scram. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that, you know, that's the best way to learn a lot of this stuff. And particularly for when people go go to seminars, mm -hmm. and you know the lectures and the and the hands-on coaching and stuff at seminars are great, but if you you know when it's a lunch break, and you just sit down at the table with that person, even though there's a lot of times when I'm at you know coaching seminars, I'm like lunchtime is my break time. <laughs> I'll answer questions, but I'm still going to answer them. But that's like when you get the best the best information. Yeah, for sure. Um, if, I, if anyone buys me enough like Moscow mules, after <laughs> summer, oh, they're going to get like a whole uh, that's extra like seminar. giveaway to one of the last questions. <laughs> um, real quick, kind of before we, we get into the conclusion here, 
one of the things we always like to ask people is along the way of your development and the growth of Juggernaut, is there anything that you would have done differently over the last few years that kind of tripped you up or that would have maybe saved you a headache? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's probably dozens and dozens of things. I'd say the, the biggest thing is I've in a lot of times maybe spread myself too thin. People have a perception, I think, that Juggernaut's like a big entity. Um, but really until the last two years, so I, I said I started with Nate. Nate was with me till the middle of middle of 2012, and uh, he decided to move home to North Carolina now, living in South Carolina, and he co-owns the uh, company that built our website but is no longer associated with Juggernaut. So from 2012 until about 2015, it was just me, mm -hmm. you know. Me and a bunch of independent contractors. Yeah. Um, but in that, you know, trying to be ambitious and do all these different, you know, do, do too many different things where instead of being like, all right, we're just going to make content and we're going to make it the best possible that it can be, just content and ebooks. It's like we pushed that for a while and I was like, all right, let me start doing apparel too. And let's do that for a little bit. And then, all right, now we're going to do the, do the gym again too. And we got that going a little bit and then we're going to do this and do that. So instead of being just master this one thing and push it as, as far as we can or close to that before then saying like, all right, now let's attack this different endeavor. Probably, you know, spread myself too thin, not delegated well enough. And, and that's just a tough, a tough thing. I think for any small business owner, they like the way that they do it. So they, they do it themselves, mm -hmm. you know, but as you continue to grow and grow, you can't do it all yourself. So, you know, just trusting people and, and delegating better so that instead of having, you know, five different goals going at once and only being able to put so much energy into each one, rather I need to do a better job, you know, should have done a better job, need to do a better job in the future of saying, all right, I'm going to sit down with, you know, whoever it is and we're going to make a plan. We're making an annual, pl you know, one-year plan this and this is your job you do this as well as you can and that's your only singular focus mm -hmm. and then uh, i do that with you know four or five six different people and then when they need help with this one i can come and give some extra attention here then i can come and give some extra attention here so that's that's probably the main thing for me is is delegating better and it's so much of the stuff is just about planning it's about more work on the front end to do less work on the back end yep uh real quick when you guys started in 2009 with the website correct yeah um did you guys have like an exact monetization strategy or were you like we're just gonna put push out good content figure the rest out later yeah uh yeah no not at all not at all <laughs> uh, you know we had the website in 2009 when we started the company in 2009 but it was really in 2012 where the real efforts started going to the website and the only plan at that point was write articles and sell ebooks mm-hmm and the, because I came from come from powerlifting and 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 you know elite FTS background and stuff, there was not the same level of uh, let's say like role models for this because they were just really far behind the curve compared to like uh, you know Pat Rigsby like Fit Business Insider mm -hmm. type of stuff. Uh, so I I started to kind of meet some people from that world. And they started, oh, you know, do the sales page like this and, and pre-sale and, and bonus content and all this different kind of stuff. 
So then it made me seem like I was way ahead of the all the powerlifters. I was like, oh, this guy really knows what's going on. You know? <laughs> He's like a real expert in this. Um, so, yeah, but no, not at all. Just like, learn so as you kinda, go kind of thing. Yeah, and it's like the same way that our, our content strategy has been. Well, I just figure we just write the, the, the best content, write the most helpful, you know, the most valuable content then people will want to buy it. Yep. They'll want to read it. And if we do the same thing with the ebooks and, and make better videos and everything, then, well, that's the one that they should want to watch because it's the one that's going to help them the most. Yeah. I think a lot of times people overcomplicate it and they try and do all these different strategies and mm -hmm. stuff like that when I love it. It's just kind of the simple, write a better article yeah. that is going to help somebody and they'll want more. Yeah. I mean, what, what we're trying to do is constantly answer the question, how can we help powerlifters, weightlifters, physical therapists, coaches, you know, whatever you want to fill in that, that blank with, you know, how can we help them be better? How mm -hmm. can we help them reach their goals more effectively? And if we can do that consistently, effectively, and entertainingly, then we're probably off to, you know, on the right track. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right. We'll hit you with our final four. This is kind of fun stuff that we do with each guest. If you could buy a drink for anyone in history, past or present, who would it be, and what would you buy them? Um, let's see. I should have. Uh, you sent me these ones before. <laughs> so I, should have, I should have thought about it more. Um, I don't know that this would be like the top number one ever, but at least that comes to my mind right now. There's a, a track coach, a guy named Art Venegas. He was the throws coach at UCLA for 30 years. Maybe I always wanted to go to UCLA. He didn't give me a scholarship. But, uh, <laughs> then I went and, and won their biggest meet my senior year of college, which was very satisfying. Revenge drink. <laughs> yeah, but, but he he just one he has a hell of a lot of really funny stories about about throwing and lifting and and stuff and and, and was just extremely accomplished coach. Maybe two of the top four collegiate shoppers of all time. Coaches a guy named Joe Kovacs right now who was uh, bronze medal at the at the 2016 Olympics and just kind of a, a wealth of, of stories and, and stuff. I don't know what, what he's drinking, but I'm drinking Moscow mule. Sure. <laughs> it's just so refreshing. Finally, somebody on my page with the drinks, everybody's like whiskey, yeah. all the hard stuff. Vodka I mean, or whiskey mules? Uh, vodka. Yeah. Which, and I never liked vodka. The, the first time I ever drank vodka, hopefully my mom won't listen to this, <laughs> but it was, it was unplanned. I, I must have been like 15 or 16 years old at like a high school party, and there was a water bottle that I thought. That I th and Same I, thing happened to me. Yeah, and at the time, like I didn't drink at all. Like, this I was, water's I, weird. I, like, I, I got to lift weights tomorrow, guys. I can't, I can't drink. And I take a chug out of this water pull. bottle, and not only was it unexpected, which is bad enough in right. and of itself, but it was also the kind of vodka that, you know, 15 or 16-year-olds, hey, mister, someone at the liquor store to buy for them. Yep. Yeah. So this was like some pop-off plastic bottle <laughs> out of a water bottle. I didn't know it was coming. I was always soured, soured on vodka ever since. But then the Moscow Mule brought it back for me. There you go. Nice. <laughs> uh, what's one thing that drives you crazy about being a gym owner? Uh, I mean, little shit like people not putting away their weights and stuff like that is always an annoying deal. Or putting them back, but putting them back in like a weird order. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I'd say just just that. Yeah. Um, if you get a weekend off from work, nothing fitness related, how would you spend it? Uh, just you know, hang out with my my girlfriend and my friends, like barbecue, watching a football game, something like that. You have any teams in the playoffs still? 
you know, I, I'd, I'd say I guess if I if I'm gonna have a team now, it's got. I've never been a huge Chargers fan, but yeah, now, now, fucking hell. Yeah, now that they're they practi- left us. Yeah, <laughs> now that their practice facility is like two miles from my house, I'd say that the Chargers should be my team going forward. But growing up, I always loved the Cowboys because well, they're the best team. I think that's probably why I liked them the most. And my best friend's from Dallas, so he's diehard. Yeah, Cowboys, Cowboys. fans always have this reach. It's like, yeah. oh, my friend lives in Dallas. <laughs> I'm a Cowboys fan. I mean, he 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 could attest to it too. Like uh, when he first moved to Southern California, uh, we went to Berkeley together. So we moved back down here, and we lived with my parents for a couple months. So he was staying in my bedroom from when I was a little kid, and it had like a Troy Aikman poster, Emmett Smith poster. Cowboys Super Bowl team photo. Yeah. Like, it, it was legit. <laughs> but, uh, and then Aaron Rodgers uh, was at Cal the same time that I was. Well, my freshman year was his last year there and knew him from, like, uh, FCA meetings and stuff and always a nice guy. So, I'm definitely going Packers now. Um, who's someone in fitness that you admire who might not know it? Hmm. Um... I really should have looked at these. <laughs> um, she probably knows this, but uh, this came up because because Dr. Mike and I were talking about it last week. But uh, Jen Sinclair is someone who, you know, when when girls like twenty twenty three year old girls are talking about wanting to to work in fitness and stuff, there's so many potential role models out there for them. And I think she's a really good one because she's very authentic. You know, she's creating good content. She's selling that on, on, she, you know, it's, it's her, her knowledge and her energy and personality and stuff that's, that's selling it. Not just, you know, a bunch of progress pics of her yes. butt and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, it was really funny because one time I, I told uh, this girl, I was like, yeah, check out the Jen Sinclair page. And, and she thought I meant, she when I said Jen Sinclair, she thought I was talking about Jen Settler. <laughs> and <laughs> two very divergent <laughs> ideas. So she was really confused. She's like, this is who you think is the good fitness role model for me? <laughs> and That's amazing. So, yeah, once we got that one cleared up, it was a little bit better. But yeah, Jen Sinclair, I think, does a great job for, for women's fitness stuff. A lot of positive stuff there. And I'm sure there are powerlifting weightlifting coaches yeah. that are escaping me. But yeah. Uh, well, last but not least... <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, where can coaches, gym owners go as far as juggernaut? You know, obviously everybody knows about the website. Anything in particular that people can go to for continuing education, always constantly getting better and just improving their business? Um, I mean, YouTube is where we're definitely putting our greatest efforts right now. We've added a ton of subscribers, maybe like 20,000 subscribers in the last two months. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, juggernaut train systems, YouTube, check it out. A lot of videos there. Uh powerlifting stuff, weightlifting, nutrition, mobility, everything. Have a great video editor who's also one of the strongest lifters in the country in his uh, in his weight class. So Shorty Sedang, shout out to my video guy. Nice. He's very backed Keep up. With, house. Yeah, <laughs> very backed up with uh, videos he needs to edit right now. But, uh, <laughs> we're keeping him busy. So yeah, definitely check out the YouTube. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks very much for coming on, Chad. I really appreciate it. Yeah, um, it's been great. Anything else that you want to add as far as what we've talked about today? Uh, no, I think, you know, only things we got performance summit coming up in New York. There's maybe only like 15 spots left for it. And then we will be in Texas with another performance summit in Arlington 
end of April. That's myself and Max presenting on programming, powerlifting and weightlifting, Dr. Mike on nutrition, Dr. Quinn on mobility, and Dr. James Hoffman on recovery. You know, probably the four biggest aspects of creating successful training right there under one roof from uh, four very real experts. Yeah. Are you guys going to do one of those in Southern California anytime soon? I'm, I'm sure we will. You know, the stuff doesn't really sell as well in Southern California as it does in other places. New York is always the best. New York area and there's maybe just more dense too population. Too much shit to do out here, I guess. Yeah. And <laughs> there's too much to do out here, and and maybe people are spoiled out here. There's too yeah. many seminars and stuff that come, mm-hmm. and they think like, oh, well, they, they live right there. You know, they, they're in Orange County, so I can see them anytime. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah. No, we, we will sometimes, but we always have stuff with the gym, too. Yeah. Cool. Awesome, guys. Well, thanks very much again, Chad. Really appreciate it. Um, Hope it was helpful. If you guys have any follow-up questions to the episode, let us know. Um, make sure to check out all Chad's stuff. If you're obviously in Southern California, check out the physical location. The gym is awesome. We're in here right now. Um, and make sure you check out all their stuff online. So thanks again, Chad. Thank you very much. See you guys next time.